Hello and welcome to another episode of Ranking Thrones. I am James Kelly. I'm Evan Camacho. Every week, Evan and I meet up to talk about the kings and queen who sat on the Iron Throne. This week, we are reaching the tail end of the Targaryen dynasty with the second to last Targaryen to sit on the Iron Throne, Jaehaerys II. Nice. So, it's been a long, wonderful journey, but we are reaching the second to last one for the Targaryens, these strange... At times great, at times terrible kings. That's a weird thought. Yeah. Don't worry, I, we are discussing some ideas for what we will do after we finish ranking all of the kings. Mm. So, the podcast won't be over just yet. No. Um, last week, we covered Aegon the mm. Fifth, Aegon the Unlikely, also Egg. And we both said that he was definitely a dragon, and he scored incredibly well. He is right now third for top score, and that's pretty darn impressive. He's probably true king. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe Jaharis might surprise us. Okay. Let's get into it. All right, so... I come in as a book fan. Evan comes in as a TV show fan. Um, so I always come in and ask, Evan, what can you tell me about Jaehaerys II? Not much. Not much, really. Okay. Is he mentioned in Game of Thrones? No. I know. I really? He isn't? I thought he was. Nope, he is not. In fact, as obsessive fans recognize, like have noted... His his reign has been removed in Game of Thrones as the Mad King is Egg's son in Game of Thrones instead of his grandson in the books. Interesting. So Jaehaerys was completely removed. Hmm. And he is, um, as we're going to get into it, he is a bit of a kind of a... a little bit of a halfway point, I would even argue, between, between Egg and Ares. Hmm. But let's get into it. Mm-hmm. Does he have a nickname? No. <laughs> Just Jaharis. Nice. And yeah, Egg, he chose some interesting names for his sons. He chose Duncan, okay. Jaharis, right. and Amon after his good brother. Nice. Mm-hmm. So. Anyways, though, go back to our two-part episode about Egg to find out about that, or Egg on the Fifth. So, the life of Jaehaerys the Second. Jaehaerys was born the second son of then Prince Egg Targaryen and Lady Betha Blackwood. Hmm. You know, this is a weird coincidence. I'm just noticing. Yeah. But all of the last three kings we've covered. This one, were never expected to be the ruler because mm-hmm. they weren't the firstborn son. I was uh, what? I was noticing that too. How it's never the first the first crown princes that become the kings. Very rarely, very rarely. Mm-hmm. Huh. Just an observation. Mm. I mean, uh, if we 
if we go into it, let me just look at the list right now, just for fun, a little tangent. Okay, Aenys was the firstborn son. Right. Jaehaerys wasn't. Jaehaerys the first wasn't. Um, Viserys the first definitely wasn't. Right. Rhaenyra was, but, you know, she was the firstborn daughter, so, you know, all that. And uh, Tristane, no, we're, you know, he wasn't anyone's son, really. Well, it was someone's, but who knows. <laughs> Aegon the second, first of that line. Right. And yeah, Aegon the third, he was not expected to be. He was like fourth in his in his brother's line. Darren the first, he was a firstborn son. Wow. Okay, there's one. Baylor, no. Viserys, definitely not. No. Aegon the Fourth, though, he was. Okay. And Darren the Second, yes. And then Ares, nope. <laughs> Makar, nope. Aegon the Fifth, definitely not. <laughs> Jaehaerys the Second, no. Wow. Hmm. So I think there's only been like what three? Maybe if that, yeah. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Just weird observation. <laughs> uh, so, when Egg unexpectedly, speaking of that, when Egg unexpectedly became king, he immediately set about making populist reforms that were pop, that were unpopular with the lords, to appease the lords, and also hoping to end the practice of Targaryens' incest. Aegon the Unlikely arranged for all of his children to be married to lords and ladies whose alliance and support was critical for King Aegon. But, as Sir Barristan the Bold noted, all of Aegon's sons married for love rather than for duty, and that brought great calamity to the realm. Hmm. All of Aegon's son inherited their father's haughtiness. The first to do such was Jaehaerys' brother, Prince Duncan the Small. Hmm. Prince Duncan fell in love with the peasant girl Jenny of Oldstones, rumored ah. to be a witch. We discussed in the previous episode the chaos that brought. In the end, Dun Duncan abdicated from the throne, making Jaehaerys the heir apparent to the Iron Throne. Nice. Although not as courageous and bold as his older brother, Jaehaerys remembered what his brother had done and would later be just as willful. Okay. Even though the Targaryen family had mostly ended the incest in their family, at least brother and sister incest, they were still cousin marrying, which was less incestuous in like European royal families. It was very common in royal families. Yeah, almost everyone by the end of the 1800s was related to each other. Yeah, in some shape or form, almost everyone was related to each other. Yeah, yeah. The Targaryens' incest had been had ended for. For three generations. But. Jaehaerys fell in love with his sister. Shera Targaryen. Huh. Aegon and Betha. Tried to separate the two. Before it could become too serious. However this seemed to have the opposite. Of the intended effect. As it only emboldened Jaehaerys and Shera. Shera and Jaehaerys. Would marry in secret. And consummate their marriage. With the marriage official. Aegon had no choice but to recognize his son and daughter's decision. 
Jaehaerys and Shera would have two children, Ares and Rayla. Huh. Jaehaerys, like his father, took an interest to prophecy. When Jenny of Oldstones came with a woods witch, the witch proclaimed that the prince who was promised would be born through the line of Jaehaerys' son, Ares. Believing that the prince who was promised needed to be a full-blooded Targaryen, Jaehaerys commanded that Ares would wed his sister Rayla. Neither wished to be married to each other. Fair enough. A disapproving Aeon V washed his hands of responsibility on the marriage. You can also, honestly, we'll get into it in the ranking part. You can, you can very easily accuse Jaehaerys of being an utter hypocrite for that. Oh, absolutely. Because he got to marry for love... But his kids didn't? What a coincidence. And, yeah, just strange. Strange. Your father, the king, didn't let you, and he ultimately let you do, get away with your nonsense, but not you, huh? Hmm. It's weird, it's both paradoxical and hypocritical at the same time. <laughs> During the final years of Aegon the Unlikely's reign, the scourge of the Blackfires propped up once again. Jesus. Ambitious would-be lords that dubbed themselves the Band of Nine. At this point, the Blackfires, especially by the Fourth Rebellion, mm -hmm. it's kind of getting exhausting. Yes, it's almost like a, uh, it's almost like a broken record. Yeah. Like over and over and over again. Ambitious would-be lords that dubbed themselves the Band of Nine joined with, with their forces to discuss gaining territory in the East. Among the gang was the last male heir of the Blackfire line, Maelys Blackfire, son of Daemon III, dubbed Maelys the Monstrous, as he was born with a shrunken head on his neck. Jesus. It's a natural phenomenon. Hmm. Maelys gained his position as head of the Golden Company by snapping the neck of his rival Blackfire, mm. his cousin. Maelys was promised that he would be given Westeros. Mm. Witty Prince Duncan the Small declared that crowns were be being sold nine a penny. Mm. Thus, they were dubbed the Nine Penny Kings. Mm. However, the threat of the Nine Penny Kings was declared not grave by Aegon V, who was busy embroiled in his attempts to revive the dragons, as we covered in the Aegon V episode. Mm -hmm. grandson, Rhaegar, was born during the great tragedy of Summerhall, where a fire would take the life of King Aegon V, Prince Duncan the Small, and Sir Duncan the Tall. Jaehaerys, Shara, Ares, and Rayla were some of the few survivors of that terrible ordeal. What they bore witness to is a secret only they carry. With his father dead, Jaehaerys was declared king. Jaehaerys focused on the threat of the Band of Nine. Wanting to prevent another invasion of Westeros, Jaehaerys ordered a great army to sail to Essos to end the Blackfire line once and for all. <laughs> Jaehaerys did not lead the forces as he knew he was no warrior, unlike his heroic brother Aemon, Prince Duncan, and his father. 
Nice. Lord Orman Baratheon led the forces, but he would be slain and died in the arms of his son, Sir Stepan Baratheon. Command then went to Lord Hightower before he too died in battle. Command then went to Lord Jason Lannister, who also died in battle, with the final surviving commander being Lord Roger Rain. The Lord of the War of Nine Penny Kings has been greatly romanticized by the singers, and indeed men greatly distinguish themselves, including Sir Tywin Lannister, Sir Stephen Baratheon, and their friend, Prince Ares Targaryen, who would be knighted by Sir Tywin during the war. Nice. But the greatest hero of the War of the Nine Penny Kings undoubtedly was Barristan the Bold. Sir Barristan magnificently slayed Maelys the Monstrous in single combat, and with him, the final male heir of House Blackfire. Although some conspiracy theorist fans of the series note, male heir. <laughs> A veteran of the War of the Nine Penny Kings, however, described it as a mad scramble with soldiers swapping who they served and swore to so often in a faraway land. Hmm. Sounds like the Crusades. Yes. Yes, very much so. It's That's this wonderful speech in A Feast for Crows that was somewhat adapted in, in the special features of the sixth season of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Not soon after the War of the Nine Penny Kings, Jaehaerys would die of illness. Okay. That is the story of King Jaehaerys II. Ah. Okay. A simple name, if you want to call it that. Yep. He only reigned for three years, so... He did not reign for long. No. Nope. Um, I don't have any notes on any king from whom he is inspired by. Do you have any ideas or anything that... The only one that I can is is kind of... I think it might be a a bit of a jab at the... uh, It might be a bit of the jab when, when the Praetorian Guards literally auctioned off the Roman Empire... Uh, as emperor, so I could see that as maybe a slight jab at it. The other one that I can maybe think of are some of the wars of succession in England, like this, like when the Stuart during the Stuarts. Oh, okay, yeah. I don't. I'm not super familiar with this time period, so yeah. But I mean, it's also just very much like, even though historically inspired, it is George R. R. Martin's character. Well, it's a very. The problem is, is that all these. Here's something that that should never be noted is that in medieval Europe there were always little pockets of rebellion everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yep. It just depended on how big they were. True enough. True enough. And, so, we, and we can see that with Westeros to be honest, is that there's always little pockets of resistance here and there. Always. Well, I mean, his father and Jaehaerys had to deal with rebellions, mm-hmm. a lot of them. Well Aegon Aegon conquered. He didn't necess- and united. He necessarily didn't bring peace. There's a difference. Well, yeah. So let's get to the ranking part. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the ranking part, the main event. So, in the category of the king, mm-hmm. 
He was king for three years, so three points for that. Okay. He was able to reconcile the crown with the lords after the discord brought by his father. Not bad. He ended the male line of House Blackfire by preemptively attacking the Band of Nine before they would invade had invaded they would have invaded Westeros. Huh. Here's also a note I didn't say earlier in the life part. Yeah. Having finally ended the male line of House Blackfire. Jaehaerys had ended the plague of pretenders to the throne that had troubled the realm for over a century. Well done. Every king from Darren the Good to Ares II would fight or reign during a Blackfire Rebellion. Ha! So think about that. Yeah. Oops. Well, I mean, we can't say he wasn't bad. You did have to deal with the rebellion. But at this point, it was one of those. By this point, it was just so. Uh, it was. It's like, can we just get this over with? Can we please just get this over with? And, st- and it's like, stop doing this, you idiots. It's not working. You've tried this, what, five times already? Four times. Four times. It's like, just give it up. Please. Something that's a bit infamous in. United States, though. What? He did go for a preemptive strike. Yes. Yes. That I will give him credit for. It's both something that you can say positive and negative at the same time. Well, let's just say, let's just also give him credit because he knew the right people for the job, too. Well, that's going to go into the warrior, but... Um, I mean... I can, admi- I can admire reconciling the lords. Same. I can admire ending... Like, I can admire, like, making sure, like, no, we're going to end this Blackfire problem once and for all. Yes. And allocating enough resources to finally just end this plague once and for all. Yes. And the other thing I'll give him credit for is that, say what you will, he wasn't alive long enough to really screw anything up. Yeah. Yeah. That's true, too. Three years is just not long. It's a pretty short reign. I mean, I'll give him I'll give him a seven out of ten. I'll give him seven and a half. Okay. So fourteen point five. Not bad. Not bad. Yep. Not bad. Relatively un relatively unremarkable compared to some of his predecessors. Mm-hmm. Yep, same score as uh, Makar. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And Makar wasn't a bad king. Mm-mm. So, the warrior. He was no warrior, and though numerous commanders would die, his armies would crush Meles the Monstrous's army. Yes. Like I said, he knew, he knew who the best man for the job was. He, he gave an army, like, the proper forces mm-hmm. and the proper people to deal with it. Agreed. That being said, the war was chaos. Yes. Lot, lot of, lot of nobles died. Um. I that being said, it still is a pretty good. It's. How much though? 
this might get into madness and misrule, so I'll, I'll hold it off there. So, if you just judge on like being a strategic commander, yeah, I think he's right there with um. He's much more. He was much more active than like say, Ares the first, who just kind of like said, oh, blood ribbon, uh, and Makar, you 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 deal with the this Blackfire rebellion for me. Like he actually was like involved in the planning. He was involved in the planning. I think he actually made a wise decision, which was, look, I'm going to plan it, but you guys take care of it. Yeah. I know I can't fight. Well, like, uh, very infamously, the Emperor Augustus was just knew he was no commander like in, in the day-to-day affairs of battle. And he just deferred to his friends and people he could trust to do that for him. Exactly. So, I mean, I'll give him, I'll give him a three and a half out of five. Or is that... Yeah, this is a 10 category, so 7. I'll give him a 6. 6? Um, I'll give him a 7. Like, really? you know... The only reason I'm giving 6 is because the amount of commanders who died during that war is a little bit disproportionate to how long it took. The fact, you know, the fact that he lost, what was it, 5 commanders? Yeah. 5 commanders for one for one war that... What it, that couldn't have taken more than maybe a couple of years. Well, it took place all during his reign, so less than less than less than three. three years. Yeah. That's a bit, that's a bit. I mean, that's War of Five Kings level of death. Yeah. Um. That's the only reason I'm giving him a six. Is the proportion of commanders who died was a little extreme. Yeah. I- you're talking me into it, but I will go down to six and a half. The reason why I'm a little bit more positive than you is that he he was proactive and he was like, no, we got to like deal with this now and just deal with it forever. End this problem. Yeah. Blackfire. So I admire that. Um, and I admire that like he, he... He gave the right equipment for the war, essentially. Yes. It's just the war doesn't go smoothly because nothing ever goes fully to plan. So, and I understand that. Oh, yeah. who was it? Uh, they said, uh, no plan ever survives contact with the battlefield. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Okay, so that's uh, 12.5 for him. Not bad. Yep. Uh, not great, but... No. Like, um, it's just ain't. Not, not the worst. Kind of middle ground. Now, uh, the ugly category, Madness and Misrule. I can't really blame him for too much for the madness because I don't really think he, he was crazy. Um, There's a little bit of that Targaryen like fire in him. A little okay. bit. It wasn't actually all that crazy. Uh, okay. Yeah, not crazy crazy. But he made some bad decisions. Yeah. Well, here's what why I, I would say crazy almost. Okay. Okay. First off, he defied the the wishes of his father and and his mother also, and married his sister Shara Targaryen. This caused greater discord with the lords that his father had arranged to marry the royal family. Sure. So he just made his his father's reign more difficult. Right. Right. Here's where it's like, he wasn't mad, but he, I think he 
kind of is like on that Rhaegar level where it's like, mm, you seem to be have a little bit of a screw loose. Okay. Okay. Where it's just like he became obsessed with fulfilling the prophecy of the prince that was promised, the song of ice and fire, when he yeah. heard from a woods witch that the prince would be born from the line of his son, Prince Ares. Believing that the prince was promised needed to be full-blooded Targaryen, he forced his son and daughter to marry when neither of them wished to. Yep, we've seen that before. This marriage, just as his own, brought great discord to the realm. Huh. That right there, that I'm a little... I'm really critical of, of him for both, like, one, for marrying who he married. Yes. Like, whereas with Duncan, like, you can, like, kind of, it's like, it's extremely frustrating. But at least he has the decency to, to, to abdicate. He had the decency to abdicate, and he kind of, one, there's no ickiness to, to who he married for love. No, no, that's true. And, like, two, he also isn't a hypocrite. From what we can tell. That is very true. Because, like, I'm gonna... I am mad at him for being, like, this utter hypocrite. <laughs> and, two, like, kind of, like, believing just this, these things, which... It's, like, one I can admire, and he is sort of right. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, you don't know if, like, you're interpreting whether or not Ares had to marry who he... <laughs> he married... For this whole prophecy to come true. <laughs> and of course, being prophecies, like they're, they're always uh, they're always unreliable and always misinterpreted. Oh yes. Oh yes. Well that and also I'm more forgiving of this, but theoretically he attacked the band of nine when they even though they said they had plans for Westeros. He attacked them without much provocation. Yes. That being said, it was clear that they were intent on Westeros. Oh, yes. Oh, and yes. theoretically, if he had let them go un unnoticed, they could have become more and more powerful and more and more of a threat. So. Major problem. Well, I can go either way on that one. Me too. Me too. I but think, I'm, I think we have to give him some credit here because if it had failed, then he would have he would have definitely gotten a lot more show. But the fact that it worked and the black fires were completely wiped out and the problem is gone, that's why I'll give him a little bit higher. For his confidence. Yeah. So hmm. I have I'm, I'm not really forgiving, honestly, of you're a lot of, of, of the like. Th th that's the thing with this one, and we'll get into it in our final thoughts. But like, he is like. There's things I can both admire about him, right, and things I really, really, really like. Don't forgive him, and like, I want to take him to task for. He's very much so a mixed bag. It's weird. Like, I, I would say he's basically the best example we 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 will encounter of. You're a good ruler. Not a good guy. But yeah, no, he's not. No, he's kind of a jerk. Not really. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I would. Be... 
I, I want to give him a six out of ten. I was there, yeah. Oh. Also, let's be honest. It could have been a lot worse. He really could have, could have. This really could have been a lot worse than it was. I want to give him more because, uh, because of just all the how much he made Egg's job harder. Yes. And for all the trouble that Ares and and Ray, Rayla being married would bring. Mm. But that's like, you can't foresee that one. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you. I'll give him six, although he deserves more in a way. <laughs> so 12 for Madness and Misrule. Okay, still not great. Mm-hmm. Same score as his father. Yeah. All right. Almost the same reasons. It's the kids. It's the kids. Yeah. Makes Tywin, Lann- makes Tywin Lannister look somewhat sane. <laughs> well, we'll get to Tywin. We will. In the next two episodes, you might feel more understanding of Taiwan. Yes. Martin does a great job of making his villains and characters you think of one way very three-dimensional. The thing with Taiwan in my and we're diverting a little bit, I mean, the thing with Taiwan Lannister in my opinion is that he is the ultimate Can you please repeat? Is what? He's the ultimate pragmatist. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He will make make those tough, horrid decisions. Because someone is going to make, someone has to make them, and he'd rather have it be himself so that he can have control. On the other hand, he is ultimately really just a jerk. Uh Oh. We won't cover it in, in, in this season, but there is something that Book Tywin does. That is just so blatantly evil. I think I know what it is. I think I know what it is. Okay, well. But you'll you'll have to confirm it. For, you'll have to confirm it for me later. Okay, maybe off off podcast. Mm-hmm. Although I am thinking, and we'll discuss it off podcast. Maybe we might do Hands of the Kings next, or just right, or just great characters like Taiwan to just talk about him. I mean. Really cla- and I mean, again, we're sidetracking a little bit, but I mean, something to be said, Tywin basically ruled the Seven Kingdoms in name, in, not in name, but in practice for almost three decades. Yep, he did. Oh, yes. We'll talk about him a lot. Well, don't worry. He's got two episodes coming oh, up yeah. next to a, at least that. And he's got more because he's a big factor in, in Joffrey and Robert's reigns, obviously. We'll cover him. All right. So here I'm sending you over a portrait of... Jaharis. So, sending it now. Second. What do you think? One moment. Okay. Huh. I mean, he looks like a king, but he also looks a bit sickly. He looks a bit pushover. Yeah. Handsome, but kind of... uh... Once handsome. Once handsome. Less so now. Definitely less so now. 
Out of five, what would you think? Three and a half, if I'm being generous. Three for me. Like, he looks regal, but not a really remarkable. No. So, that gives him a 6.5. Mm-hmm. He is the king of .5s for scores. A lot of .5s in his rating. All the halfway points. All right, wow. And a perfect reversal. Yeah. Of uh, his father got 84.5. <laughs> he got 48.5. Okay, so he's kind of smack dab in the middle. Smack dab in the lower middle. Okay. So, though, considering some, before we go into that, and we skipped this a couple times in our last episodes, and I'm kicking myself for it, but do you think he's cinematic? As as maybe a one or two episode character, and definitely not really as the main character. But I mean, you could work a story in there. Yeah, he could work. And like an overall Targaryen soap opera, great thing. Obviously, his, his father is much more interesting, I think, but he can work in there. Mm-hmm. And like War of Nine Penny Kings, that would be interesting to see. And so he would be a character in it, but yeah. Uh, n- n- not as a main character. All right. With all that in mind, though, mm-hmm. the final verdict. Is he a dragon or is he a dud? Is he someone worth remembering or is he kind of a footnote in history? He's a footnote. He is. Like I admire that that he ended the Blackfire problem once and for all. And like he had that kind of like, let's deal with this problem once and for all. Let's be proactive on it. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, like his reign is like so short and like Kind of like, seems like it would be forgotten. Yeah. Because he doesn't seem like like enough of a captivating personality behind that decision for the the Nine Penny Kings. I think he's a rather unremarkable being. Hmm. Not a bad guy, per se. Well, actually, that's a lie. He's he's not not a bad ruler. Not a great guy. Yeah. Well, he's the only one that I've encountered where it's like really like no, I think like you're decent at your job, mm. but man, ooh, I do not like him. Or or it's just like it's weird. It's weird because it's like it's complicated because it's like because of that like kind of a strange paradox where <laughs> you're you're decent at your job, but you're not really a nice guy. Yeah, and we've had plenty of the opposites. Like yeah. we've had. Like, you're not a bad guy, but you shouldn't be king. You're not king. Please don't. It's like, don't be king. Yeah. So, nope, sorry. Uh, He is ultimately a dud. He is ultimately a dud, yep. And... Now we have one Targaryen king left. Yeah. So, with all that in mind... Next week, we are going to cover Ares II. Ares II has no more Blackfire rebellions to ever have to deal with, and he has some good friends. He is perfectly set up for this job. He is perfectly set up for a nice long reign, 
questioned as the ruler of of Westeros, nothing's going to go wrong, right? Nothing. Well, it's going to be a glorious reign. Glorious reign. Well, well, we'll find out all about that glorious reign next week. So, tune in next time. See you then. See you then.